0: This episode of Chicago's Bravest Stories is brought to you by Jenico Roofing. You can find them on Facebook, J-E-N-I-C-O. Vince, who knows building construction and roofing? Firefighters do. And this company is firefighter owned and operated. So Jenico specialized in residential roof tear offs here in Chicago and the suburbs. They are licensed and insured. You can get a hold of our friend Jim at Genico at 815-693-5665, Genico. Welcome back to Chicago's Bravest Stories. We have the honor here of having the chief from Broadview, Chief Kenny. How are you?
1: I'm wonderful. (laughs) Thanks for having me.
0: Well, thanks for being here. We appreciate uh, you making the time and coming in here. Uh, We got a lot to cover so let's just dive into it. Um, kind of give us a little background of um, your uh, firefighting career.
1: So I'll go f- as far back as my family owned a tavern. And my dad said, come, you come work for me for a couple of years, and then I'll give you some money to go to school and you can do what you want to do. So I stuck there for five years, went to Western for a year prior to that and was sent home. <laughs> so when you don't want know what you want to do with your life, don't go away to school.
2: <laughs> so what was, what was the name of the Tavern?
1: Um Kenny's Tavern in oh, Countryside. Yeah. yeah. Um it's still there.
2: It's Is it awesome. it
1: really? hmm They had their 26th year. Yeah, they're still rolling. They're wow. great. Um family
2: owned still or no?
1: Uh no, we sold it to two guys, but they I mean they treat us like family still. Anything oh, really? that happens when my dad passed, they had his whole event there, you know, his his after party we called it. <laughs> <laughs> so um from the bar, um, just knew I wanted to be a firefighter. And uh, a couple of guys that hung out there that worked at Pleasant View and Lombard kind of pushed me into it. Um, went to paramedic school, good Sam, uh, right away got a job. I went from LaGrange bored with full arrest to give me some action. And I had done my ride time at Broadview and they had great connections with people around there. So they put me over at Melrose Park and so was you, my- you
0: started your career as a paramedic?
1: As a paramedic. Okay. For two years, I was in Melrose Park. You and- kind
0: of got a good following here of good Sam paramedics that have been on this show.
1: Yeah? Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: There's uh, Our last guest was a good Sam paramedic. I was one for, a, a, you know, five years. Um, you get... Melrose, you guys weren't in good Sam, right, Corey? No. No. Okay. No, we are, though, now, uh, where I'm at. Oh, there we go. There yeah. you go. Comes, comes full circle. Yeah.
1: Well, I always... It, the funniest thing is... During my interview for the Good Sam Paramedic Program, I went into labor and had my kid three hours later at the same hospital. (laughs) No joke. I was like in fear of a hundred people hundred EMTs, like my water breaking, and then being like, oh, God. You know, like
0: <laughs> right, these guys doing their, uh, their their OB clinicals. Yeah, right, right. I'm <laughs> like, can you we were. just
1: interview me really quick? I'm done with my test. Oh, my God. So yeah. you are pregnant throughout so I was most of pre- pre- the paramedics? Who no, 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 no. no. I, I went into labor during the test, had the baby. Oh. I could not believe I got in. I can't oh. believe they're like, we're going to take the pregnant one. So <laughs> I got in, and.
0: Hey, I'm you not know. pregnant anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly,
1: got through that. Maybe
0: they had a quota, and yeah. you met the uh, <laughs> right. We I have, we have we to have one pregnant, pregnant woman. woman.
1: <laughs> well,
0: How are gonna <laughs> where are we going to find it? Where are we going to find a pregnant woman? <laughs> yeah, right.
2: Um, what? So, at that point, Chief, you had been, uh, you were pregnant with your first child. That was my last one. Oh,
1: no, yeah, I'd already had the two kids before that, so it was my last one, Keely, and she ended up being very sick the entire time I was in paramedic school. She was at Good Sam, oh. got hired at. Malrose. And she was still sick. That It was a rough couple, I think, first two years of my career as she was sick and I was working at Malrose. And back then it was tough. Like contract medics, I don't know what they're making these days. Um, well,
0: whatever it is, is not, it's, it's not never, enough. It's, it's not never enough. enough. It's not enough.
1: Nope.
0: So nope. for people who are listening who don't understand how the uh, being a contract medic or being a contract firefighter, basically whatever that municipality is paying to have that firefighter or paramedic there half goes to the the company that owns the contract and half goes to the actual employee it's roughly half um but you know if you think about how much time and even when you do overtime on the contract that's not that's not a lot of money it's right. it's pretty uh it's pretty sad that these guys are working the exact same shift doing the exact same runs as you know uh, Uh, somebody who's hired on by a municipality and they're getting paid half of what everybody else is getting paid. Yeah. Full timer. Most
1: of us treat it as a stepping stone. It's, it's our experience time. And then we, then we move on. It
0: definitely was that for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I was in the same area that you guys were in during that period of time. And for my like actual experience of being a paramedic, being out there in that division was amazing. I learned so much. I learned – I really, you know, learned how to be a paramedic from being out there.
1: Yeah. We we see it all because we had highways and rail, railways and we had action.
0: Yeah. Well, the first and only um, um, uh, surgical crike was done out there. And uh, I still shit my pants when I think about that run. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It was – the cicadas were out and uh, – <laughs> You know, we were in a car like off the highway and just covered in cicadas and trying to do this with all those cicadas running around. Oh my it God. Was, yeah. I was like, could this get any worse? You know, that oh, was horrible. Very weird kind of background. <laughs> but
1: then you remember it. You know exactly <laughs> oh, how many years. Oh, just... <laughs> I, I, I,
0: I can picture it because walking up to the car with all the cicadas, I was like, do I really want to do this? It's like, do this we have the locusts? <laughs> they're, they're descending. This is what I got to do, huh? And then, you know, you, you that you could not catch a break on that run. You know, not only the cicadas, but then when you come to the realization that a surgical crike is actually indicated here, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. But yeah, it's one of the few I times can't say I've ever done one. It, you know, and that, that was what was going through my mind. is like, when am I ever going to get another chance to do this? You know, a lot of systems don't have it. Right. You know, I, I can't do it in the city. Um, but uh, it was... After it was all done, I would look back on it with good thoughts that I was actually able to. And if it, if my, the guy that I worked with wasn't with me, and I'll I'll shout out to Damon Martin, I don't care. I he, love he, that guy. <laughs> I, was, I do. He was my partner then. Really, and we yeah, the, I, me and him were on that run, and we kind of both looked at each other like waiting for one other, you know, each other to grab the scalpel. And we did, there was a minute there where we were both like looking at each other, like, go ahead, pick it up. Let's go. We got to do it.
1: That's a guy who should be training every medic that comes along.
0: Well, me and him both had, uh, we, we (laughs) both had a good uh, EMS coordinator when we were there. Um, when I started, um, Fred Jeffries Mm -hmm. and, you know, um, and, you know, Damon is a product of that. And, you know, Damon was, is a very, very good medic. So me and him being partners, we had a great time. It was great work. And, You know, uh, some contracts don't have the relationships with these, uh, the municipality guys, but I was treated so good over there in Bellwood by those guys. Those guys are still some of my very good friends and those guys just treated us with nothing but respect and, you know, kindness. So um, I wish. we didn't
1: see that. Like, see, I was the same way as a contract medic in Melrose. I was spoiled rotten. They knew my kid was sick, you know, Everyone always talks about the expensive Melrose meals. There were times that the guys were like, no, Tracy's going through a hard time. Cover her. And I mean, I had a great, I had a great partner, Skip Johnson. God rest oh, his bless soul. You. He, uh, I won't forget he, he wore a toupee <laughs> and I did not know this. And this man gets in the ambulance with me in the middle of the night and scared the crap out of me. <laughs> Um, was but
2: attached he was to his baseball game. Yep. <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> oh
1: it flipped it right on. So he was, he's just one of those guys. Same thing. I had good experience. He pushed me. And the one thing he said that always has stuck with me. And I say the same thing to people I teach is, you know, they're dead. You can only make it better,
0: you know, in a situation <laughs> of
1: full rest. So it stuck, stuck with me.
0: <laughs> so yeah. you got, you, you, uh, go to Melrose on the contract. Yep. And at what point do you make the transition into firefighting?
1: So I was testing those two years. So I was in a couple lists. I honestly, uh, I always want to go to Broadview. That I was, mean, that was your that number was one. It. So it. I did my ride time there at the time I lived there. I live there now again, but um, I knew that's where I wanted to be. Um, they had such a great reputation. I mean, I wanted that, you know, I wanted to get my butt kicked. I wanted to see fire regularly and, you know, that was it for me. So that test, like I had a couple lists that I was on. Um, they were the first to call me. So that was exciting. So for that me.
0: everything worked out, huh? It- <laughs> you wanted them. They were the first um, to call you?
1: Kind of yeah. worked out. <laughs>
0: worked out for about two, three years. And well, then we'll get, we'll get Ooh. into that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into that. Uh, so you, you get to Broadview and tell us about your first fire that you went to. First day. First so day. First
1: day. I didn't even have gloves yet. <laughs> so they were still looking for gloves for me it was at 14th and madison i will not forget this it was in maywood um and as we're going there i mean it
0: was good for a fire or oh, two. Yeah, especially still. back then right yeah oh back then it I, was, people
1: laugh like i i said i i think i we counted it last year it was over 30 fires i had my first year not you know that's that's so rare
2: pretty it's yeah, in pretty the suburbs you know
1: yeah, and that wasn't including garages and dumpsters that was house fires <laughs> so um And being your first day and having a fire, I remember going there and this, the guy next to me said, oh, don't worry. You're not, you're not going in. You're, you're too new. And we get there and I had an awesome and very aggressive deputy chief at the time, um, Jack Kowalski. And he's like, oh yes, she is. Somebody get her gloves. But first, you know, go hit the hydrant. And this guy, Paul Bojan, who's in the city now, he was the engineer. I ran down got the hydrant because that's all I could do in Melrose. So I was pretty good at that. Then I'm headed back. He said, go get a pike pole. I mean, I'm telling you, I knew nothing about the fire service. and Paul Still throws. gloveless at this point? I, I was like, <laughs> what is a pike pole and where is it located? It, it's so embarrassing. They shoved me in an attic, and I was up in an attic for like 40 minutes uh, with a line, and it, it was the greatest wow. thing ever. You were hooked, huh? I was hooked, and my gloves were oh, like two times. There good you, oh,
2: <laughs> that was so good.
1: And my gloves were like twice the size of my hand. Nothing fit. Even when I went to the academy, like— we were a, a huge department, a great department, but money was still lacking. Did you
0: go to Arlington Heights?
1: Uh, no, I ended up going to Oak Okay. So, um, and I had really bad gear, got pretty burned, and the Fire Academy second degree burns across my back. Ugh. Didn't tell anybody. <laughs> I'm going. Um, so, yeah, I had, a, I had a great experience there, too. Oak was, you know, well-known at the time and amazing. Wow. Oh, so, yeah. Good experiences all the way.
2: So at that time, had you been through the Academy yet? At, um, on the, your first fire? On your first fire?
1: No. No, oh, I hadn't really. seen. I Like I said, what's a pike bolt? Because <laughs> I didn't know oh, yeah, anything. Yeah, you know, thank God my dad had taught me about tools. You know, at least I had that, you know, my dad <laughs> So you got hired
0: and they brought Was it supposed to be more like a ride time, uh, like an observation day?
1: Yeah, I had a week of... And I think I had, I'm sorry, like a month of days and it just so happened that first day there was something there yeah. like, come on, you're going. This is literally taught me all the way through the day. I mean, it was a fire. It was a long fire. I remember that, you know, taught me how to pull ceiling and I, I, I think I had something like eight fires before I went to the Academy. Boom. So i had started July 21st and I went to the Academy in October.
0: So you were salty walking yeah. in, huh? And
1: we are tower burned all the time. Hence yeah. why it's not burnable anymore because <laughs> it just, it's disintegrated. No, it's a, uh, it, they just gave me so much experience before I left. I mean, Jack Kowalski, Tom Gardner, it was guys like that, that, you know, they were, they pushed you. Yeah. So never. Tr- and I, I, I always say this, Picked me out of crowd always to make me tougher, not to make me feel like I'm being singled out as a girl. They were just, you know, it was pretty much, and it was said to me several times, I'm doing this because I don't want you to embarrass me. Mm. My captain, too, Ned Tome at the time, who's my deputy chief now, same thing. He'd he'd shove the What's this? What's this? And
0: He was the captain when I was out there. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I'm happy to have him as my deputy chief now.
0: Wow. Well, um, you... So you go to the Academy, you've already have roughly eight <laughs> fires under your belt, uh, before even stepping into the Academy, which I think is awesome. Um, working, working nine to five, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> on, on top of
1: it. Yeah. You do yeah. So, no, yeah. These we, are during
0: the day house fires.
1: Yeah. If we had callbacks, I'd go flying back there and hoping to catch the deputy when he came in to switch cars and hop in with
0: him. Did you guys have pagers for, yes. yeah. Yeah. All the good old days. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Good old days. Uh, so you, you finished the Academy and you come back to Broadview as a firefighter and how many years? Well, I know that we're going to get into that, but, um, kind of walk us through that your first, you know, your introduction to being the new guy at, at Broadview. Um, you were taken in pretty well.
1: Yeah, because I had done my ride time there. I had a relationship with a lot of people, you know. And I, my family still owned the tavern, so I was bringing meals during my ride time. I <laughs> earned everybody's trust. I was baking <laughs> my cakes, my Portillo's cakes. You know, I, I gained some. You know, there was a comfort level for me when I got there. You were making um, portillo's cake, Yeah.
0: Lots <laughs> yeah. of mail, right?
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. yes.
2: God damn right. And there's yeah. no better way to get get okay with with the fireman in your town by your family owning a tavern. <laughs> right, right? Right? That kind
1: of helped <laughs> For 2 years into my job they did, and then we oh. sold it. But yeah, it was it was a great I mean, I look back at my first year and the people I had around me was the most important part. You know, I had guys that at the time uh We'll get into it later about the layoffs, but these were guys that like I was having trouble with the saw. They'd be out there at eight o'clock at night with me. This guy, Alex Silva, Pat Sperling, just these middlemen that were just they went above and beyond to make sure I knew my job. And again, they'll always say, We're doing this because, you know, we need you to be good. You can't be that girl. And at the time we had three other females. Two had left at,
0: at Broadview. At
1: Broadview. Um, two had left to go to other jobs. And then uh, Kelly had been there probably Eight years, nine years prior to me, and she just retired last year. So um, there was just two of us for a very long time. but uh, yeah, um, they, we always were in the tower. It was a regular thing in the tower. That was like an every Friday thing. I told my guys yesterday because we' we had a fire and we're kind of talking about it and how to educate ourselves to do better next time. And uh, I said, I can remember coming to work and if you couldn't find the deputy and Captain Gardner wasn't around, and that was the shift. Oh God, you were in trouble because you knew something was happening. Like if you had a big breakfast, go get sick because you're going to get <laughs> sick later. I mean, I mean, to the point of most fires, I mean, that they would do in the tower, like it was so hot. You're coming out puking and then going back in. So, so was, wait,
0: when you're talking about the tower for other people, you're talking about the second. training tower Yeah, we had a training where tr- you could actually, set, you know, like, uh, you know, like burn stuff and uh-huh. really smoke them out and feel some heat in there and. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> climb some stairs, you know, climb some ladders. You could do everything in that tower.
1: Yep, yeah, And until it spalded, you know, over years, it was finally going to, you know. Well, you apart. definitely got
0: your money's worth out of that tower.
1: Absolutely. Well, I personally did. Yes. Yeah. So and now, <laughs> now I've changed it up a little bit. The top floor is like a maze. Now we have, uh, doors. Um, it, we've got a lot of props in there now to yeah. make it and smoke it up, but it's not like it used to be. That heat. You just you can't replicate that kind of stuff. You when you have tree, we would take Christmas trees and burn them. And one of the guys was coming up the stairs with a Christmas tree, and it took off in the stairwell, you know. And <laughs> he comes around the corner, and it's on fire, and he's throwing it onto the bed. It was like, all right, so it's really <laughs> hot in here. I mean,
2: I get it, I yeah. get it, man.
1: <laughs> So, I mean, that kind of heat made doing the job a lot easier because your expectations are this is going to be tough, you know. And I just, I, I was very blessed to have the mentors. And I say mentors because, you know, not a, and I don't mean to point out the girl go girl thing, but sometimes it's really hard to find a guy that will take the time with a girl He make the effort. And every single guy there did, I, I was never treated any different than anybody. Everyone made time for me and made sure I was good at the job.
0: Well, especially, you know, back in that day, that that wasn't the typical culture for women in the fire service. (laughs) Nope. Right. So your experience, as awesome as it was, was not the experience that other women were experiencing across the country. Nope. Right. And And I knew that. Did you get, were you getting feedback about like how other females were treated in other departments?
1: Uh, Yes. You know, I, I, when I was laid off, I did some work and I, I had some not so great experiences that I regret that I didn't deal with them back then. I just left the job rather than dealing with them. Um, I have a lot of regrets as a female chief now of not fixing things, but now I can, and now I will. And if I ever heard something like that again, I would go out of my way. But yeah, it was, it was a pretty common thing. It wasn't like, you know, sexual, har- my first day of Melrose Park, it was a sexual harassment class. It was like, Oh really? Like <laughs> I have to sit through this. Uh. So, I mean, that's when it was first being introduced that this was wrong, you know? And to be honest with you, being raised in a bar, you know, I had a pretty bad mouth and
0: a different kind of You had thicker skin. Yeah. Inherently, yeah.
1: I had guys as friends, you know, and I was one of those people that shot our mouth off and swore a lot and drank and, you know, I was one of those. Wasn't scared to
2: let people know what was on your mind. right? So
1: I I stood up for myself. I was, but there was a lot of women that wouldn't just because, you know, they didn't want to compromise the job and that's just rough. I hate that that happened to anybody.
0: So would, would you say, I mean, you'd be a pretty good gauge on this. Were um, we vastly better now as a a profession?
1: Yes. Yeah. I can say in my experience, in my division, and what I see in classes and going to the National Fire Academy, I can see how it's become a level playing field. It's still awkward being only one of two female chiefs in Illinois because Sometimes I feel like I'm asked to do things because I'm a girl, and they need that diversity. Right. But then I look at it a different way. Like this is a huge opportunity to make some changes. Get in there and do that. You. Know, you you have any idea
0: how many female well, chiefs across the country?
1: Uh, we make up, I think, as of this year, seventy-two, and it only makes up less than one percent of the population of fire chiefs. That's great well, Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, we are glad to have. I mean the one percenter sitting here with (laughs) us, right? (laughs) Used to
1: be a bad thing. Now it's a good thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's,
2: that's, that's phenomenal that the Broadview guys were like that, but that, you know, that's, I think almost taken away a little bit from you is that like, I'm sure you proved to those guys coming in, like they weren't just accepting off the bat to you. You know, I'm sure that, that you kind of had to kind of earn your way and prove that you were worth that type of time. And it's a true testament to you, chief.
1: I think uh, two back surgeries and two shoulder surgeries, you know, it's that I got it. I got it. I don't need anybody's help, you know, and now I'm feeling it. (laughs) So if if there's anything I could teach women now, it's take the help, you know, still you can earn the respect, but take the help. You don't have to carry that on your own. Right.
0: Well, I mean, that part of the culture, I don't think we got to, you know, it's still like, go do your job. Don't let anybody take, you know, your equipment. Don't let anybody do your job. That's never gonna change, you yeah. know? But when you know you're over your head, then I I I can see asking for help. But yeah. uh it that's that's gonna be a tougher change than changing the culture of females in the fire service.
1: Agreed. You know? I yeah. absolutely agree with that.
0: It yeah. and, and, and to, to some extent line. it probably shouldn't, you know. Yeah, to, to, to It's something.
1: that pride and ownership yes. of I can do this and yes. look what I can do. And right. yeah, we're going to beat our baddies up. It's yeah. just part of the job. Right.
2: Yeah. And there's definitely a fine line between like owning your shit yes. and becoming a liability right. to four other guys. And, so. then, and
0: and just being ridiculous, like you're not going to lift that guy yourself.
2: Yeah. Right. <laughs> you're, oh, yeah.
0: you're not going to lift that guy. That guy is not moving yes. without some help.
1: But show me the best way to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And when I figure that out, I'll let you know too. <laughs>
2: We want to thank our sponsor, Bender Lift. Bender Lift is a patient lift device that buckles handles around the patient's torso so firefighters can safely lift patients of any size with ease. The most injury-prone non-fire ground activity a firefighter does is lift a patient. If you're lifting heavy patients, and let's be honest, all of us are, then you're going to want to check out the Bender Lift so you can avoid getting injured from lifting a patient. Vince, have you ever lifted up a heavy patient
0: or any patient at all? Um, I've blown my back out so many times lifting heavy patients. I can't count the number of times. So something like Bender Lift is a pretty awesome product, especially if it's going to save me from uh, having to lay up from the job or go to medical or just work the rest of my day in pain
2: absolutely and they'll they'll let anyone try it out for free doesn't matter what your role is within the department just sign up for a free field trial on their website and they'll send you a set of bender lifts to try out for a month or so absolutely free we use them in our department and i recommend you give them a try just google bender lift to watch some videos and sign up for a
0: free trial bender lift the new slogan should be bender lift save your back save your back So you want so we're we're early in your career now, and and, you know uh, there's some people out there who are listening that understand the history of Broadview, that what that department went through. Um, How long were you on there before the layoffs happened?
1: I was on for three years.
0: Okay, so that's relatively early. That's that's real early in your career. So how? Like walk us through how that went down. Did you did you walk in the work one day and they were like, hey, pack your stuff, or did you get a lot? Did they call you? How how'd that go down? Yeah.
1: So we heard rumors. Yeah. We heard that things weren't very good in the village. And let me back all this up by saying, uh, you know, Chief Tierney took it pretty hard that he was gonna have to let people go and and it people don't see that that was something he inherited, you know, that he had to deal with. So I think he got a bad rap during that time and it, that really bummed me out, you know, because in the long run, he was a tough chief and he toughened me up. But same thing with the village, you know, it was a financial, obviously, a financial issue. And I I don't know enough about it to speak on that side of it. I just know that their easiest way of dealing with it was let's get rid of everybody I don't remember hearing, will everybody take a pay cut? Will everybody do something different? We were never given an opportunity. So one day I I was offered a job in Forest Park and I went into the chief's office. This was prior to layoffs and like the week before we got our letters. And I said, I've been offered a job at Forest Park. And he said, you know, don't, don't go. This is just rumors right now. Don't worry about it.
0: And, you, and up until this point, you, people had started hearing the rumors uh-huh. and stuff like, because it started look really bad. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, eventually would be bad, but you got a letter, a letter from the department or the city?
1: Uh, we got a letter from this, the village through the, the, the chief had it hand it to us each individually.
0: Oh, so that you could, they couldn't say that you never received it. Yep. Okay.
1: So they handed to us each individually and it was like, your last day is, and to be honest with you, it's, I don't mean to shirk it like it didn't happen, but it's such a past now that I don't remember those little details, but- I remember the morning leaving and being, there was a last shift for everybody who was on. And I was on the night before. And I had to leave with a shirt on that said, no no joke, because we had to hand everything back in. It was a shirt someone gave me I would never take home. It said, we'll fight fire for sex. It was so embarrassing. It was the only (laughs) shirt I had.
0: (laughs) That's that's it, what it, you left It's with. so embarrassing.
1: Right. So I had this shirt on and I turned it inside out because I was like, I am not wearing, wearing
0: that shirt. Yeah, there right you you go. <laughs> <laughs> I got to change. There you
1: go. <laughs> I'm like, I am not wearing this out. So oh, okay. I flipped it around and there actually were, was press there. Oh and I was like, oh, thank oh, God I geez. did that. <laughs> so just, you know, thanks for not making me
0: so suck how, at the show. What, what was yeah. the percentage that they let go? Yeah.
1: It years. was, so we were, we were. Twelve guys a shift, nine man minimum, and they let two had left, so there was already two gone. Another twelve, so fourteen total. Fourteen. So we actually went down to four man shifts, but I'm sorry, four man minimum, six guys on a shift.
0: No ambulance.
1: Uh, yeah, we are jump company.
0: Okay, so you, in a f-
1: town with a f- that kind of fire,
0: a four man shift with two people on the ambulance, so you're running with an engine with an officer and an engineer. Mm-hmm.
1: And we still, I think for like another month had the contracts at Loyal and Heinz. So we're still running ambulance calls yeah. in Loyal and Heinz. Well, like, I,
0: I remember those days yeah. because we would go, you
1: were picking up the slack.
0: You we were picking up the slack <laughs> and, and you know, the, your engine would show up on these medical runs and it, it's, and I was like, there's only two people here. You know, I, I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't that informed about what was going on until much later. Um, but uh, yeah, I was like, you know, there's two people. Like, what? What do you guys? So, what did they do if they had a fire? What did that engine do? Well, I mean, the engineer's not going anywhere. No, the right?
1: lieutenants ended up being engineers, uh, captains would be on, it, and then the two guys from the ambulance would actually bring the ambulance there and jump. And then I've got an ambulance. And that's column. if they
0: weren't on a run. Yeah. And if they exactly. were on a run, you got, you got two guys, two guys, guys showing fire. up.
1: And, and you know, fast forward to my first day back, we were still at that yeah I had a guy retire. That's why I ended up going back. We had our my first day. It was Thanksgiving Eve. Did they take a,
0: you back at seniority?
1: Yeah, they did they, okay. I got all my time back. i sadly, I had pulled my pension because I had a sick kid at the time. Mm-hmm. so I had pulled my pension, which is I could retire in four years, but I've got seven now <laughs> <laughs> so um
0: well, it could have been ten yeah. you know could because there were guys who who got laid off that had a lot of time on mm-hmm. and they were beyond the age to test with other departments, right?
1: No, it was considered um, lateral. A right. couple of them, I, I'll be honest with you, most got really good jobs and did very well. Um, a lot of us struggled. I worked, um, I was on a couple lists, so I was kind of waiting, but I worked three jobs, uh, three part-time jobs, just to make it happen. Thank God for PSI. They called me and said, you know, we heard, uh, when you stay devoted to your contract... You know, and they heard it happen. Trace will take you and find three other guys that need a job there, and I did. So, oh. yeah, only two of us ended up going back out of all those laid off. Really, only two of us did.
0: Mm-hmm. So everybody else got taken care of, moved on to greener pastures. And- greener
1: pastures, some different job fields. Yeah, you know, I keep in touch with every single guy.
0: So that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Wow. that so, will never change. So they bring you back. Um, you're you're still working like below minimum standards. Mm-hmm. And where do we go from there? Did you, uh, how long before you took a promotion?
1: So uh, while, like I said, my first day back and experiencing only four guys on an engine scared the crap out of me. I'm like, this is how things go now. Right. You know, uh, how are we safe?
0: And how long were you gone at that point?
1: Uh, two, 18 months.
0: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Was there any retraining involved in coming back or it was just like, Pick up where you left off.
1: I think it was a matter of desperation and, you know, just get back to what you were doing yeah. and prove yourself. And, it, and with that many, that volume of call, we used to run two ambulances. Now we have one. Try fitting the training in, you know, but they still did. I'll tell you, Deputy chief Kowalski, you know, he, he made things happen. And then at the time, uh, Gardner, or it was talk that tyranny was leaving. And when Gardner became chief is when things started to change. He like redefined, um, the entire department, he ended up doing like one acting lieutenant, or I'm sorry, one floating lieutenant. That way we had more engineers and more medics and we could trade off some more. So it wasn't the same two guys all the time being on the ambulance. And forgive me when I say guys, it's just a general term. <laughs> um, so it, it was, it, it means was a lot more
2: when you say it. And
1: so things changed, changed a lot when he became chief. Um, he got the safer grant and we brought three guys on. Uh, with, when I became deputy, he and I were able to get back our contracts, which helped us hire more people. So now we're at a six man minimum, um, with eight
0: guys. And And you, you, this, you guys are a union department, right? Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine what that fight must've been when they wanted to start laying you guys off. It was awful. I mean, a drag out fist fight with the, with the village and the union. It, It had to be right.
1: You know, it was a different union at the time. Uh, they they have switched unions since, which was a good job. And I won't, the people that stood up for us at the time that were our union reps went above and beyond again. Um, every board meeting was packed. It was, it was a really rough time. Uh, it, it's, I hope that people saw the devastation it caused and won't go there. I've seen it happen other places, but not to our volume. And the best part is this mayor that we have now is, outstanding. She's like, that's never going to happen again. And if we have to take pay cuts together, we'll take pay cuts together, but I'm not going to let that happen. So you just have to have the right people and transparency in the government to, to see. I mean, if there's not enough money, for, I, my big goal this year was to hire three more. I wanted a seven-man minimum because I I think that we'd be most efficient with a second ambulance to make that happen in a three-man engine um, unless we have a fire and someone's out, then we change things up. But um, she was on board, and then coronavirus, <laughs> you know. And and she's very straight up. Tracy, I wanted that to happen. I'm sorry it can't, but we'll we'll work on that for the future, you know. And
0: well, your ambulance is a good source of revenue.
1: Absolutely. You now know, that so. we're going to, you know, once we got those contracts back, Chief Gardner left before he saw that to fruition. Um, we did. Um, he had just retired, and we finally got the contract with Heinz uh, back. And that was great. But it is Heinz uh, is a changing place, too. You know, it used to be, you know, just veterans. And now they're having, you know, they have homes there now, and it's non-veterans. And it I don't want to take away from mm. my own village. So we're trying to work all those things out. But you guys know the ambulance volume is just skyrocketing take coronavirus away. right. You know, we and I hate to say this. we you know, Fire is not what it used to be. It's more EMS, especially by me, and the volume of EMS calls has just
0: soared. Was everybody when you came on uh, was being a paramedic a requirement? Of, yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. So you had to be a paramedic. Still is. Yeah. Um, this, and I'll tell you, as chiefs, we've all talked, especially on Metro Chiefs, we've recently had a meeting. Guys are saying that guys have choices now, so our lists are smaller, less people taking. Uh, the paramedic uh, classes and exams. So last year, there should have been about 110 in our area that graduated from paramedic schools, uh, 47. So that pool just keeps diminishing. And I don't know what it is because this is the greatest job <laughs> in the world. I don't, it, I mean, if you have a passion for fire, in the beginning, we all said, oh, we have to be paramedics to be firemen. And yeah, that sucks. But your every day is so amazing because you're doing different things. Like I love that about Bravo One day I'm on the engine. Next day I'm on the I'm driving the truck. Next day I'm on the squad. Next day, you know, I'm in the ambulance. Like that was the greatest thing ever. Now yeah, it's just two vehicles going out, but it's still exciting. Every day is different.
0: Well, I know that you um you wanted to get into talking a little bit about uh, mental health. When did you? At what point in your career did you start really advocating for mental health as far as it related to first responders?
1: I think about four years ago, we saw such an increase in suicides among not just uh, firefighters, paramedics, but police as well. It was more of a public safety thing, passion for me. We
0: we did have a a big surge in that. Absolutely. we've, We've talked about that in other podcasts that we don't know why and- we, especially, you know, for us in the city, we, we had a big surge of them and nobody can figure out why.
1: And I'm not ashamed to say this. And I say this out loud. Anytime anyone asks, I went through a really hard time and was in a really bad place. And thank God I had somebody who said, you need to go get some help. And they, Sarah Gurra's office, and I, I, I hate to advocate for one place, but I just found somebody there that was wonderful. It wasn't Sarah, but somebody in that office. And started going, and and this is like something that I've seen, and I'll tell you what I see in firemen, especially in paramedics. Taking care of other people takes away having to deal with our own shit. And if I can go and, you know, there's a full rest, the guy comes back, I save somebody, but screw myself, you know? It's, it's almost like feeding the soul by caring for other people when you're so messed up. So I learned all about that through this EMDR that I went through. Um, don't ask you what it stands for. It's <laughs> eye movement desensitization or something. Um, but it was a really, sorry, it was a really good experience for me to go through that and then come back and say, we had a benevolent fund in the division that I had started and the money was just sitting there. Because, you know, everyone says, hey, not everyone, but when someone's truly sick and needs money, you know, I have cancer. We can speak about it. We can speak out loud about it. So that's what that was for, to give people money to help them. But that wasn't hard because everyone's willing to say, you know, something's wrong in, in physically with me and people will help. But no one's saying there's something mentally wrong with me because there's such a stigma. Of, well, then you can't do the job. You're so messed up, you know? So I transitioned this money from the Benevolent Fund with the agreement of all the chiefs in the division. Um, and turned it into a mental health fund. So now anybody in division 20 can go to this, um, office that we use. And as long as they're on a roster from their department, division 20, um, we pay for the first three appointments. And then after that, they teach them how to use their, um, insurance or self-pay or even go through their, um, and I'm blanking on it. What do we have within our workplace? Um,
0: oh, um, <clears throat> Are you, are you talking about like an EAP yeah, Yes, EAP thank there. you
1: or she teaches you how to work with your EAP. So every guy gets three appointments now if he stops there, he stops there but at least I know I did something to get that guy there and it's being used. It increased even over this time of coronavirus um, and I push people into it and I get updated rosters from chiefs so they know it's that important.
0: How can but, uh, if anybody's how can they get to this program?
1: Through the division. we So we put something out with all the chiefs, and they've okay. posted it. So
0: all the chiefs in the division, and it's just for your division, mm-hmm. Division 20. Mm-hmm. And it, everybody has access to it right now. Yep. So we don't really have to um, really push that for you right now.
1: No. They, they have all that they information. They have everything they need. Now, and- when,
0: when somebody—let's go back to you. So when you were going through your hard time, mm-hmm. what, what cues did you have that you— You know, or maybe you didn't know at the time, but somebody else noticed that pushed you to get help. Like, what was going on with you? Like, explain, like, what were the signs and symptoms that you had that, you know, you look back now and been like, oh, I had a problem.
1: Obsessing on work to avoid going home, to avoid dealing with things at home. Like, if if I went to work for 12 hours a day, then I could just go home and go to bed. And then I stopped going out. I stopped hanging out with friends. I just kind of... I. Self-isolated
2: sort of thing.
1: Yes. And then uh, then on the other extreme, you know, I would, you know, if I would go out, I would have a little too much to forget. You know, it was just part of what I was doing. It was a horrible cycle. And I knew it. I'd seen enough of it. You know, I talked you knew to what, other when, people. When
0: you were going through it, you knew it, but you couldn't get out of it.
1: Yeah. No. And and that's the hardest part.
0: That's got to be hard. and And, and there's something
2: incredibly ironic and, and pardon the terminology but insane that our inherently wacky job that we have mm-hmm. we somehow find comfort in okay well at least I know what it's going to be like at the yeah. firehouse today at least I know like and and it's it's a bananas job every day is different but you still feel more comfortable there than you do in your own skin sometimes as mm-hmm. it's crazy it's a crazy idea
1: and, and the thought process of that is, is some of these guys are just as messed up as me. So it's a right. comforting thing, you know, like right. I, I think we've all said it, you know, you're not totally sane if you're doing our job because we see a lot of, and someone said to me, was it what you see on the job? What is, is it what you do on the job that, you know, that made this happen? And no, for me, it was my past as a child and, and growing up that, that made, you know, that, that was the reason why I was falling apart at this time. It was like new triggers that caused it. So it wasn't anything really that I'd seen or done as a firefighter, but we do become. It didn't help. No, no. But you get into that job again, because avoiding taking care of yourself and taking care of others. I'm sure nurses do it. I'm sure doctors do it. Police officers. It's if you can take care of somebody else, you never have to focus on you. That makes sense. Yeah, it was, that was a, that was my thing. That's what I always did. And that's why I got on the job.
0: Well, you know, you were talking about, um, you know, you're constantly taking care of people. So, you know, your house is a mess. And, you know, I could make the analogy that, you know, a mechanic has a terrible car. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Well, with, uh, with uh, that thing, the shoemaker yeah. shoes. Yeah. Whatever. The, you know, the four star chef goes home and he has a TV dinner. You know, (laughs) you're dead on,
1: you're dead on. The maid
0: has her house looks terrible Mm -hmm. stuff everywhere. And so, you know, you can kind of extrapolate that to what we do. And here we are, you know, but it doesn't. You got to the point where you got the help that you need, but it sounds like you put up a fight though, right?
1: Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The blessing of going through this and I for two years, I went just to to, and it's not to say that there's present day triggers where I got to go back and have a talk, you know, and, you know, people give me advice all the time. Why don't you give her a call and play catch up, you know, bring someone, but I see it now in other people more than I did in myself. So now I feel like I have a responsibility. Do you
0: you speak up? Do you approach them? I
1: I tell people any, the fact that I'm saying it right now, there's a lot of people that are going to listen to this, I hope. And I'm not ashamed to say I got help. I'm not ashamed to say I went through a really shitty time and I found help and I got better and I'm better today because of it. I mean, I honestly would not have taken my department to where it's at right now if I didn't get help. I would, have. I can't, I, getting help saved my life. And I hope that It is now in this position and having experienced it. I'm an advocate. I have to look out for people. That's why I switched this benevolent fund into mental health fund. And I will out. People can call me. People can anything they need. Chiefs, if they want to find out how to create this fund within their own divisions, I'm more than willing to show them how I did it.
0: Well, we have, uh, ironically enough, um, we just signed on uh, a fire and iron uh, with Fire and Iron Media, uh, Dr. Cody Todd, who's a psychologist, and she's going to be uh, doing a podcast here with us, and it's about first responders' mental health Excellent. as well. So we um, we kind of sought her out. We thought the work that she's doing and the subject matter was important that we kind of took it on ourselves. We, we actively sought her out and um, signed her on here. So that's coming soon. Awesome. Um, so that'd be something to look forward to. And, you know, if we can offer any help there, you know, with you guys, we'd be more than happy to. And, um, you know, we can, you know, definitely go down that road together and whatever projects you want help with, we can definitely, you know, we'll be there for you. That's great. Um, yeah. With
2: the, uh, uh with the mental health funder, benevolent funder, um, you're still doing, uh, active, fun- I mean, I think, everything's kind of on hold but are we still doing active fundraisers this year for any of that or is that
1: no not-, not right now what i'll be honest with you there's just money sitting there you know and it people weren't using it so now it's getting used and i think i'll jump back into stuff next year um and and start revving it up again i i want to give no joke like coronavirus a year like i say next march i'll start doing stuff it just seems like Anything I've done in the village has been put on hold, so this is too.
0: Is there any other um, health and wellness stuff that you've gotten into? Uh,
1: Is so. I'm currently going to school, and I got a um, scholarship this past year from Illinois Fire Chiefs from the React Foundation, the Ryan Elwood Foundation. So I'm currently personally raising money for that foundation um, because they just put something out. We'll tell us about that one. So Mm -hmm. the Ryan Elwood Foundation, uh, Ryan uh, uh, took his own life. It's like, I w- you always want to find the right word to say right. that, like commit a suicide just sounds so
2: rough, Aggressive, but yeah.
1: yeah, but it's the truth, you know, and it's family have gone, you know, above and beyond to find a way to help people. And, uh, getting that scholarship was ironic for me because it was right at the time that I was ending my, the help that I was getting. So the fact that I got that scholarship from them, I'm like, oh yeah, this is a sign that I need to keep pushing through with all this with my own guys. And my own division. So I am saying if anyone's looking for a foundation to donate to right now, um, they have a big thing going on right now looking for donations. So it's react. Um, and again, I hate acronyms.
0: I'm not going to get it all out there. uh, we'll, we'll put that up uh, on our, uh, Chicago's bravest stories podcast website. Uh, we have a bunch of, uh, donations and charities. So we'll, we'll include that in there. Perfect. Um, So you kind of got the scholarship right when, I mean, for lack of a better term, when you were all better, when you, when you felt that you were healed,
1: moving on, moving on. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, and where are you in your career at this time?
1: So I, no joke on Monday is I start my sixth year as a chief. That's just so weird to me. (laughs) I I mean, I remember going, no one's going to do 12 years as a chief. I'm not going to. Now I have like only seven years left, you know? so. Um, I honestly, this has been the greatest job these past three years because of the support I have in the village and the mayor and the chief of police and all the leadership in my village is amazing, and I am better at my job because of this female um, mayor that we have. She just kind of pushed me to do more than I ever thought I could or would do. So I started a camp three years ago. Um, when you heard hashtag uh, we can't or Hashtag me too. I was trying to find a spin on that instead of girls saying, poor me. And, and don't get me wrong. It's out there and it's horrible. But I wanted to find another way to approach it. Right. So I created this camp called Camp We Can Too. Hashtag We Can Too. And I brought women from top 10 jobs where male, um, it was male dominated. And they came in and spoke to all these girls. So this was going to be my third year for camp. And I was so excited, but wow. we had to cancel it. But she pushed me to doing stuff like that. And you know, I do a lot of things within our village. Um, I do a lot of events in the firehouse and it's just kinda opening our doors, the communities we're so close. It's and it's because of her and she's how she pushes everybody. In a good way.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, her you know, definitely her and you, Chief. I mean, there's after after all the problems the Broadview Fire Department has been through. I mean, for them to come out of this not having a bad attitude for your guys being honestly from, from the guys that I know the more progressive guys I've ever met, you know, like very, just a very positive environment that you guys are running. I mean, that's, that's you. I've been looking, looking at your kids um, for them to actually seek out kind of a a fairly, you know, fairly similar profession (laughs) as you. Like it's, (laughs) You got a you got a great spin on things. It definitely seems like uh, seems like you're you're pushing out to other people too. Um, so with uh, I, as a segue, you feel like talking about the about the kiddos at all? Oh or?
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean the firehouse or my own kids. Oh, right. yeah.
0: <laughs> well, let's let's uh, start with your your birth. kids. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know you do, the what you, you, I you. had
1: in labor. So we're blessed she's here today. I did CPR on her twice. She should oh. not be here. So she's that kid. We all call her our old soul. She's going to school right now at ISU. She's going to be a sophomore. Um, the kid who would never go to a sleepover can't wait to leave for college again. So she <laughs> got the bug. Um, she's amazing. She's going to be a teacher, but we have all said this kid should be a counselor. She's just this, like, calming, <laughs> awesome kid. Like, she's here for a reason, you know? And then I have my daughter, Trisha. Um, She is a police officer in McCook. Um, from the day she saw CAPS on TV... It, no joke, four years old. I'm going to be a cap. I'm going to be a cap, which turned into I'm going to be a police officer when she realized <laughs> cap didn't sound as nice. Um, oh, she's she's done such amazing things. I mean, she's five to 100 pounds soaking wet, but she is tough and mean. <laughs> and then my son, Casey, is in I mean, Air we Force. We might be talking
2: to her in, in yeah. about 10 more years, too, when she's the chief of police. Officer. I hope so.
1: I think she's got it in her. Yeah. Um, but then Casey, my son, he's in Arizona right now at uh, Davis-Monthan. I always hope I say that right. In Tucson, Arizona. And he's a firefighter in the Air Force, totally by accident. He was going in to be an electrician the day before he went to Metz. They said, you have to wait six more months. Uh, the, we don't have an electrician pos- position open. He's like, oh, no, I quit my job. I'm ready to go. Give me something. They're like, well, we do have it open as a firefighter. And he's like, oh, no way. And they're like, <laughs> why? It's the greatest thing ever. And he's like, I mean... My mom's a firefighter. Well, worse, my mom's a chief. And the guy's like, if you're going, you better not tell anybody that. Like, just
0: go in there like you don't know anything about it. So he he was finishing his medical um, in the Air Force, and yep. they still hadn't uh, given him the spot he signed nope. up for?
1: Nope. So crazy. Yep. So then, that,
0: I think that's what they call the bait and switch, right? <laughs> right, probably. Yeah. But
1: I mean, what a not a bad job to go
0: into. No, right? I, it worked out in his yeah. favor. I'd rather do that than be an electrician. You know.
1: <laughs> well, he's uh, his stepfather was an electrician. Got him Corey. into it, right? Right. No, this one. Too.
0: I'm not a real one. <laughs> not that uh, you know. I'm just real like in the air force. The electricians, uh, you know.
1: Yeah. So he's doing really well. He's, he's, he went to Kuwait. I have not seen him in over a year. It's been pretty hard. So oh, he's coming home in September. I cannot wait. It's, I'm so excited.
2: Is he Um, uh, not to, not to get sidetracked. Does he think about signing a long-term thing with the air force or is he thinking, yes, about, and oh, he's really? thinking about
1: going into the electrician part of it and oh, yeah. <laughs> being a firefighter and he said, like, mom, it's, we just don't see the action you see, you know, on base, like sure. If, a, it, you know, if a plane blows up, I'm busy, but, how often does that really happen? Right. So, well, as an electrician, we'll
0: you could work every single day. Yeah, you I, could I, do electrician stuff.
2: Ironically, Vince has told me I should become an electrician before fireman. Also, he's like, just, <laughs> just dropped the old fireman thing. It's not. It's
0: not working for you. I told him. I told Corey he could be the lieutenant of electricians. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> um, and uh, and
2: I guess looking back, also I trace anything. I mean, not to take away I mean, any. Any messages you got for uh, for other women in the fire service that you'd like to get out there?
1: You have to have thick skin. You do. I mean, uh, my dad and I will not forget this. I remember my first day at Mauros, and he was like, "Okay, you're not allowed to cry. You know, you're not allowed. You cook for these guys. Like my dad was so. Old. Yeah, it's but cool. over
0: there they they let you cook.
1: Yeah, right, right. <sighs> my dad's it, like, uh, that doesn't just happen so you over know, there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. He's like, this is a men's club. This is my dad's. I'm, I'm going to quote him. This is a men's club and you're lucky they're letting you in. And I was like, okay. And that's how I went into it. It wasn't until I got to Broadview and I was like, men's club, come on, <laughs> you know, let's change that up. And, you know, I, to me, there's always going to be firehouse banter. There's always going to be stuff that's going to make you uncomfortable as a female. Get up and walk out or take it on and challenge it, but be ready for the challenge. And it's not to say that any sort of harassment is acceptable, it never is. And, and I will stand my ground on that because never should a woman have to go through that. But, you know, sometimes we give it as much as we get it. And we need to check ourselves too. You know, sometimes we want to be like the guys and we say uncomfortable things. So check yourself, you know, and just work hard. I think that's why I'm where I'm at today. I don't think I know. I'm sorry. I don't think I'm not lucky. It didn't just happen. I worked my ass off, and I I was good at my job, and I knew the administrative side of it, and how to get grant money and make other things happen, and and I'm very proud to be where I'm at, and I have truly earned it, and I'm excited to do it for seven more years and seven more years only. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you know, it's. this career, some people just screw it up and and go into it with an, the whole plan of, you know, it's a great job. Do what you love doing and make the changes where you need to make them. Um, my new thing with my guys, every year I kind of change something up. This year it's don't bitch, do.
0: <laughs>
1: so if something doesn't work or something isn't the way you want it, I'd love to see the new SOP or directive and go ahead and fix it. Give me, don't walk in my office complaining, walk right. in my office with, here's the problem and we're going to fix it together.
0: Well, don't, uh, I always believe that, uh, when I'm approaching, you know, people above me in the chain, I try to bring them solutions, not problems. Yeah. And it, it, it seems to be working out. Yeah. it's, 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 that was given to me by somebody who I really look up to, really respect. And I gave it a try. I'm like, man, you know what? Like. You know, and now I get trusted with more stuff.
1: And you're, par- yeah, and you're part of the change. Yeah. And now this is what I tell my officers. What is your legacy going to be? What are you going to leave when you retire? You know, I say it to the officers, but I would say it to anybody who's on the job, when you leave, don't be known as the guy in the recliner that everyone hated. Be the guy that, you know, it doesn't even have to be a save on a job. It can be that you helped get that new vehicle that now is going to last another 10, 20 years. And you know, you're, that's your legacy. You be proud of your department and have some involvement in it.
0: So, I just wanted to get back because I think you have the opportunity to shed a little light on this for somebody who's going through a hard time. But let's say, you know, let's use the example of me and Corey. I see Corey going through something, and Corey's like really hard headed about getting help. Drinking, like, heavily. drinking heavily, doing podcasts all day. Um, <laughs> what, like, what advice are you going to give to like the person like me who wants to talk to him, who wants to bring this out? Like what, what's the best course of action here? How do I help him without, you know, him getting pissed at me or, you know, me worrying about like, you know, he's just gonna uh, go further in and, uh, not deal with this.
1: It's the level at which you approach somebody. So I never go to somebody and say, "What the hell's wrong with you?" I go to somebody and say, "What happened to you?" And I learned that no joke from, and it was an Oprah statement, and it truly opened my eyes. It was this: God, something happened to this person? They're not—they're not this way because they want to be this way. Something happened. So it's the—it's all in the approach, you know. And if I can't get through to somebody. I've crossed lines before and gone to family and said something's going on with that guy and you need to, to figure it out. And you need to let me know what I can do to help. There's, you're not crossing lines when it comes to somebody's mental well-being because if you don't say something, you might not ever get the chance to.
0: So just be tactful. Don't be like in their face. It's kind of a, approach it from the side. Don't come running right at this guy.
1: Not in public, obviously. Hey, you know, and I've worked with guys before and been like, let's go get a beer after work. And, you know, I don't care if it's seven in the morning, we'll find something and let's sit down and talk about it. And I've done that my whole life. I've always been a counselor. Like, you know, mom's in should be on my door of my office, <laughs> but you know, people come and, and and people know when they share something with me that they're not leaving without a plan. You know, if you come and say, I'm going through a really hard time, you know, okay, well, what are we going to do about it together? If a friend comes to you and says, I'm having a hard time, man, that's your door open, you know? So privacy always works. Um, if it's on the job and it has to happen at that moment. You know, let's take a walk outside. You know, that it's possible. Um, and then sometimes you just can't get through. Sometimes that person just can't find that out. And don't blame yourself. I've been there. I lost a friend to suicide. And, oh, God, I should have called him back. I should have done this. I should have done that. And, nope, I did everything. That that
0: person needs help, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, oh, absolutely. There's a level of guilt that comes with that. So, um, you know, the one-on-one is always the best approach. Yeah. You know, And then, I'm sorry, but crossing the line to the family, if you have to do it, do it. No rules. Nope. Nope, that when someone's life's in jeopardy. Yeah, okay. that's our job. <laughs>
0: wow, that's a great way to end it. <laughs> that is our job. Yeah, uh, you don't want it, but but knowing you, Corey, you don't want to end it, right? You still have questions that you have to I, ask. There's so many questions. <laughs> so we'll talk later. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you wanna ask your usual at the end of the podcast questions? Oh my gosh. I you know what did you ironically forget it? bring I, it on. I did I always forget. I always <laughs> well, forget. It, that's been like my new station in this podcast is to remind you. <laughs> reminding Corey of, me to oh. ask my one
2: question. <laughs> ironically, me and Tracy probably did a couple of these ones together. But um okay. Chief, any what's the what are some of the best pranks you remember? Oh
0: God. Yeah. Did, did people pull Put you pranks, on the spot? Here. Did people pull pranks on, on you?
1: Oh yeah. yeah. I mean I would have Everyone knows I hate mice. They would be hanging from nooses from my locker. Oh my dead ones I in my purse. I don't think that's a joke. That- <laughs> no, dead ones in my purse. Oh my that was God. the worst. You know, getting flowered in the shower. That was the worst. Mm. And then having a call. But I, my favorite one ever to this day. I used to bake cakes and it was a big deal to me. And one time I came in and someone would put pencils in the whole thing. Station two came to <laughs> station three. In, in and, your cake? In my cake. And I used to make a cake for station two and station three and they came when we were on a call and put pencils in it That was the end of the cakes so and Melrose. that's it that stopped it no cake for you so i mean just that's the best part of yeah. the job is like razzing each other and you the got, humor
0: you got you you got in the shower i
1: got flowered in the shower, in the shower. Oh but my but my retaliation on those guys i the next morning they all on to call i stayed and i disconnected all their car batteries
2: <laughs> oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. i had that was, help <laughs> but that was my
1: that was that was my like proud of myself moment <laughs>
2: It's, it is amazing and the, the guide, amount of work that they put in there.
1: Like You've all gotten the saline under the table where you think you're dribbling.
2: No. Right? no. no which
1: was you turn <laughs> the, I, I do know, we're probably getting too much into this now. No, like, I'm this
0: giving is what this podcast is much no much all about. You yeah. tape
1: the saline to the nasal cannula and you put the nasal cannula kind of up at somebody at the okay, table. Okay,
0: underneath the table. But
1: then under the table, under your knee is a saline and it's taped to that. And every time they take a sip of water, you knee up. And it dribbles. Oh they get this God. dribble, and they keep oh, my glasses mess. So I get a new glass. Get, that's my favorite one. Just, that's, that's my favorite dinner table. Another
2: slow
0: one, though. Again, like the guy is the just planning. confused at the yeah. table. Yeah. Well, <laughs> to hook up a hook up a syringe. Yep. Just give it a little. Sh- yep. You know, see
1: the guy next to him. Oh God, it's so funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, if if we're gonna, I've been wanting to tell this story, um, but and finally, I'm waiting for somebody from Division Twenty to come in. Uh if we're talking about like bunk room stuff. So um me and uh, he's on the city now and I have no problems whatsoever saying Josh Kwalzick's name.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But um I will so, another but, great I, guy. I, I, another great guy. Right. Uh you know what? Let's just not say Josh Kwalzick and <laughs> let's just say it's somebody else that's not Josh Kwalzik. Uh but Josh had a terrible, terrible <laughs> he was he would sleepwalk and he would like have night terrors. And if the bunk room in Bellwood, you know, we're all together in the same bunk room and back before they had like the NORCOM thing, you had the officer sat there, slept in the one bed next to the telephone and the, the, the calls would actually come through the dispatcher and go right to the telephone, to the speaker. So you could actually hear like people screaming in the background when the officer took the call, like, you know, where are we going? What's wrong? What's going on? And so when we, when we switched over to the new system, the red light would come up on, in the um, in the bunk room and it would like ramp up the tones. So it was like a soft, it wasn't so abrupt. And it, So <laughs> Josh would have these terrors and he would freak me out so bad that I said, Josh, listen, if you're having your night terrors, I'm like, let's work out a plan so that you don't scare the shit out of me every time these tones go off. <laughs> so he's like, all right, man. And I'm like, all right, if you're freaking out, our, our like safe word is going to be antelope. All right. When you hear <laughs> antelope in your night terrors, I'm like, that means that everything's cool. Go back to bed and we'll be fine. And, and let like, just keep in mind, this is just one story. I, I, I I'll su- tell all my Josh Gwalsik stories throughout the, the course of the podcast, <laughs> but, but this one in particular, since we went into the bunk room uh, on this podcast. So sure enough, later that night, <laughs> the tones go off and he just gets up and he's screaming at the top of his lungs. He's got no shirt on and he's like completely t- just screaming at the top of his lungs. And he's right next to me. And I got the covers pulled up of like, <laughs> and all I could think of antelope, <laughs> antelope, antelope. And now everybody in the bunk room has no idea no that has, has <laughs> right, idea right.
2: Right.
0: N- nobody, nobody has been like informed that we have a safe word, you know, they've, they, they're kind of, know that Josh had these terrors, but now they have no idea why Vince is screaming antelope at this guy <laughs> screaming at the top of his lungs. Uh, and so uh, when you were talking about, you know, th- this guy with the sailing that kind of brought that to mind that uh, that that happened and that was just one of many. So, you you know, Josh, right? Yes, yeah, I do. He's one of the greatest guys ever.
1: Actually, I think he was on my list and I was so sad to see him go to the city.
0: Yeah, he, he you missed out on a good yeah, guy. Oh, I know. You missed out on a good guy. <laughs> um, uh, anything else that you want to talk about? Anything like is there ways that people can help you out? Can any of you know do you got something that you want to uh, promote that our listeners could you know maybe Oh, you know help what? Out or I, I got to ask you
2: real quick about. Did, sure. did we talk at all about the explorers? I was going to say
1: that. Oh, right. that's let's do it. Like yeah, and let's joy. do it. Let's okay. do it. So the explorers are my pride and joy. I started that uh, six years ago, and uh, today were you an of,
0: explorer, Cody? You went to the explore program, right? Look at it's
1: it's the greatest. Here's a product of an
0: explore program. Oh, in it, all in all of his glory. It, right. look at him. <laughs> it's
1: it, it's these kids who have a passion so early on, you just need to develop it. And you know, we've we've seen these kids through EMT school, paramedic school. Um, I just had a test last week and two of my kids took my test. They get five extra points. But the explorer program essentially was part of boy scouts of america now it is separate because they say boy scouts america might be going away but i think i
0: think they've gone away not yet yeah we're still hanging on yeah
1: we're trying to make sure we get explorers separated okay yeah right so um we have an excellent program we take up to 20 kids is pretty much what we can handle right now um we have about seven graduating this year so we're opening a lot of we're always at capacity this is how great the program is. We've got, we do everything with them. They meet three times a month. Um, they have their own board meetings where they have to talk about how they're going to raise funds for camp, which they usually go to IFSI camp. They have an Explorer camp that's out of this world. Yeah. I mean, three days of burning for kids. I, my kids just love it. <laughs> um, we also do, you know, stuff in our tower. Um, we're actually getting a new parking lot and a burn structure on, on, in Broadview. So they're going to get to get into that along with everybody in Division 20. Um, but these kids just have thrived, and eighty percent are either in the military or have a fire job. Um, the other twenty percent have found a job. and some um, in- insurance one of them found a job in, and they're they're kind of but, but these kids didn't do dumb stuff, you know, during their teen years. They had guidance from us. We pushed them in the direction of where they wanted to go. And I'm just, I'm beyond proud of all of them. Like, they're all like my own kids. It was it was hard because the one kid is interviewing. Uh, at, we had our interviews this week, and I went to go hug him and was like, oh, God, don't do that to that child. <laughs> that, you're not his mother. And I'm
2: a
0: professional. <laughs> you're
1: the chief, and he's going into an interview. Oh, my God. Go away. Well, well, I
0: didn't know anything <laughs> about the explorers. I went to the Operation North Pole yes. this year, and I saw a bunch of your guys out there. Yeah,
1: they these were, kids love doing that too. Yeah. I need, and that's there the was thing. a
0: bunch of them.
1: They have to give to get, so they go and sign up for stuff and and do a lot. And now they're all they're hooked on Operation North Pole. I mean, that's is their that thing. one of the
0: is that one of the greatest things ever? Uh,
1: amazing. Yeah, I, I can't. I mean, I could go into tears with what you know they well, do. Well,
0: I. Mean, I you you know you talk about going into tears i went in there and i you know a friend of mine had been asking me to to do this and he has been doing it for a while my buddy uh aaron ambrosiak um and you know he like literally from the from day one he's been part of this and for the last couple of years he's been like hey you know this you is about that this? calendar Vince, or <laughs> no oh no 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 different different one <laughs> and uh different project so I, I, I was like, you know, the, the day's working out, you know, um, this will work out. I'll go over there. And um, I was not prepared for how I was going to feel when these kids came walking down that line, you know. And mm-hmm. for people who don't know, it's, you know, about uh, cancer kids and um, uh, like really sick children that these guys like set, make a day for them where they take them on. They have their own train They do all these things and they bring gifts and then you go into the Rosemont where they have this whole thing set up for them and it's just a special day for them and they put them up and they take care of these kids. But when these kids walk down and they walk this gauntlet and they're on each side, you know, are from people from different departments and, you know, the requirements that, you know, where at least your bunker pants, your suspenders and your helmet Mm -hmm. and they walk down this gauntlet and they're high-fiving you, thanking you and I, I was sitting there, I was like, okay, this is. You know, piece of cake. These guys are going to walk down. By the time the first kid walked down, I was practically in tears. Oh,
1: yeah. And it's the whole family. And
0: it goes on for for an hour. I was like, I am going to lose it. Yep. Yep. (laughs) I'm going to lose it. These these kids are like happy and they're smiling and they're thanking you. I'm like, you're thanking me. You know, like, look at you guys. This is ridiculous.
1: One of the first years I got involved with that, I offered to take the gifts to the families who couldn't be there because their child was sick and one of them had lost their child, and I had to deliver the gifts because their other children get gifts too. And I had to bring it to the house. You want to talk about like a reality check in your life and how yeah. blessed you are? I mean, uh, Barb and Tim who put this whole Operation North Pole together are saints, and they have expanded this. And the fact that we get to be part of it.
0: Yeah, it's one Anybody. of the most amazing things I've been a part of.
1: Any I, I fireman out there, I mean, the hardest days are the setup and the cleanups. Like, just... Do something, be part of it because you, it's rewarding the whole way.
0: Yeah. That, uh, and you know, uh, we're going to do something, um, with those guys this year. I I mean, it's, that is something amazing and, um, we really should be, um, doing a lot more for that, for that program.
1: Absolutely. You know,
0: and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll do something special this year for those guys. So So the Explorers
1: are, the, the Explorers... We put them with that, and now every year I don't even have to ask; they come to me on one setup day, one's gift wrapping day, one's you know they well, they. Well, ask you had me. a
0: whole contingency there. I thought it was a department, Because <laughs> uh, you know, like we all put our stuff, you know, all in, you know, broadviews here, hillsides here, Chicago's, you know, and then there was a whole group, and I was like, who are these guys? Like, they're they're kind of young, but I mean, you know, who are these? They had the most gear over there. I was like, who are these guys? And I was like what's an explorer? Yeah. Like they had gear and, you know, stuff. I was like, what's an explorer? I didn't, I didn't know.
1: Well, there's not a lot. I, I, my friend, Jimmy from Niles, he put that one together and that's how I learned about explorers and found out about them, what they do. And I kind of based mine off of his and it's just been growing. I mean, in every, like I said, kids who may not have had opportunities, um, truly have, and we guide them through the whole thing. And It's and, just
0: uh, like, putting them through like some fire service oriented stuff and uh, just getting them exposed to that. And in hopes that they want to go down this
1: hopes that they come work for me. I mean, I'll be honest with you. The reason why it started was the mayor back then had said to our chief, we don't reflect our community at all. There's only white guys here. Now, what are you going to, how are you going to change that? And then it was brought to me and I said, well, do something within the community duh. you know, bring the community in. And another guy who was supposed to start the program, he actually got all the information for me and and put it in my lap. And I was like, oh, I'm totally doing this. And just invited kids in from the neighborhood and, you know, they got interested. And again, who knows how different their lives would be if they didn't have this, but it's nice to know that we had a hand in promoting such an awesome job. And then I truly hope someday they go take the test and they come by me.
0: How can uh, people get involved in that program? So
1: Pat McGivney is the name of the guy that's in charge of it at Broadview Fire Department. And all you have to do is call the fire department, um, 708-343-6124. Just hit nine and ask for the Explorer program and they'll connect you to it. If he's not there, it goes to his voicemail and he calls kids right back. Um, Just make sure that when the kids do call, um, that parents are available because we won't just talk to the kids. We need to talk to the parents. Um, we take kids ages 14 to 21. Like I said, I've got seven 21-year-olds this year that are graduating so um, and moving on and doing great things.
0: Well, that's awesome. Yeah,
2: love it. Well, Any limitations to who you'll take in? Chief,
1: no. Okay. No, no. And again, um, we will make sure that it, we've had questions about bringing in um, some kids on the spectrum of autism. And would we do that? You bet. I'll modify things. I'll make things happen. You know, even... My thing is, is, if I have to be there and do something to make things happen, I will. It's like, there's no barriers for us, right. you know?
2: Right. These kids are willing to come out and, and do something
0: with us. Well, who are we yes. to tell them they can? Exactly. Yeah, let them have the experience. Yep. You know, yep. Let, let them go through it. Let them do something different. Yep. You know, that's what it's all about, right? Yep. Well, um, any last words, Chief? Any last words, Corey?
2: I, you know what? I. Uh, I'm beyond you're, you're, you're at a loss this. for words? Yeah. No, you know what? It's phenomenal. And then... I know I said on, on social media, like I've got two little girls and, and honestly, chief, I can't think of a better hero for them to look up to than you. you're so nice. Uh, Again, for someone who's just always just had such a positive attitude and just, you know, after, after the layoff, just coming back and you know what, a lot of people would have a terrible attitude. You come back, you just marched your way all the way up to the top and just got stuff done. So thank you. For everything
1: thank you. For you. <laughs> thank you. You're one of those guys that, that that made it easy, you know. It's having good guys in the fire service that made this job great for me. So, thank you for having me. This was awesome. I well, glad I was able to put the word out about some things.
0: Oh, it's it's been our honor to have yeah. you here. Thank you so much for making the time for us. And uh let's have another glass of whiskey. Say, <laughs> let's have, let's have, a, drink. Let's have like, a drink. It's like the 1980s Broadview Tower in here. Yes. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, that should wrap it up. Uh for this episode of Chicago's Bravest Stories, thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. This has been a Fire and Iron Media production. You have something to say, people want to listen. How's that, Daddy?
2: The opinions and views are that of Chicago's Bravest Stories and their guests. They do not necessarily reflect the views of any municipal governments, fire protection districts, fire departments, EMS, or law enforcement organizations.